everybody, it's the interview queen, Alicia Toot here, and you are currently listening to and obviously enjoying Queen's Court. Hi, I'm the Asian sensation Kanji. You're listening to Queen's Court. Hi guys, this is the Queen of Queen's Massage talking, and I am so happy to introduce you to the Queen's Court. Gara, the Queen of Annie, and welcome to this week's episode of Queen's Court, AEW Women's Roster Deep Dive with Amy. I am so psyched to bring you this episode, and it's kind of fun. I haven't done one of these intros in a while. We've been diving in, pun intended, right away. But I figured it might be time to just take a minute and check in with you all. How are we all doing? How are we feeling? I know that in these unprecedented, crazy times, Things feel a little bit out of control. Our normal schedules are kind of all messed up and not kind of, they are. <laughs> Our normal schedules are messed up and, you know, wrestling is is changing to try and navigate all of these massive, you know, safety precautions, of course, and keeping everybody healthy and away from this virus. But I just wanted to say real quick from me to you that, you know, we're going to keep providing some content. We're going to keep having fun the best that we can. We're going to host some group hangouts. And I hope that you guys are taking care of yourselves and your loved ones and keeping healthy. So without further ado, I want you to strap in babies because it's time to hold court with Queen in this episode, all about the AEW women's roster to end our month long celebration of Women's History Month. Enjoy. All right, everyone, we're back. Here we are. And as promised, I brought her here. I wasn't lying in my little intro. (laughs) She's here. You can hear her laughing. And this is, of course, the incomparable, the lovely Phoenix AEW herself is in the castle. Miss Amy, Dragon's Den podcast, all things elite. My goodness. Welcome. Thank you so much. I cannot tell you how excited I am to be chatting with you today because I love your show. I love your energy. I love your takes. This is going to be great. This is going to be so great because I love your energy and I love your takes and I love speaking <laughs> with you. So like, this is the best. <laughs> I know this is perfect. <laughs> this is wonderful. And I'm, and I'm so glad that you agreed to come on. This is of course, all about the AEW's women's roster. You know, before we dive in to this topic, obviously there's so much going on in our world. So many things have changed. First of all, how are you, how are you doing over there? How's social distancing going? Like, how are you handling everything? Social distancing, day 756 million. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we're, we're doing okay. Um, we are two and a half weeks into self-isolation, voluntarily, of course. Um, the kids are going crazy. But that is to be expected when you can't go to your favorite places like the library or the park or swim class or D&D meetups and all of those things. So it's been, you know, a matter of keeping them entertained, keeping our sanity. And uh, we've redecorated, I think, just about every room in our house (laughs) in that effort (laughs) so far. (laughs) Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to keep everybody, you know, sane and happy and like doing things because you really are, I don't want to say trapped, but you are confined to a, to a space. And 
that's what, what you have to do. <laughs> so it's difficult. Normal routines are different. Um, what we view on the news is obviously different and how we handle it is, is a different thing as well. I feel like for everybody and for kids, especially, you know, they, they love to be outside. They love to do things and, you know, being trapped sometimes feels a little tough, but it sounds like you're managing. All right. <laughs> we, we are, we're, you know, we're currently in the midst of high allergy season. So every time we cough, or sneeze or get throat tickles. We're like, oh my gosh, is that coronavirus? But, you know, the reality is, is that even though that's a funny and amusing way to sort of deal with it for ourselves, it's also been very humbling looking what other communities are doing to come together to help each other, because this really is a crisis that affects so many people around the world. And a lot of people are scared or nervous. And of course, they have every right to be, but it's been wonderful seeing how people are channeling that energy into doing something to help in any way they can, whether it's, um, you know, factories that are turning over into production to make masks and metal medical equipment, or whether it's um, hobbyists and enthusiasts who are at home using their sewing machines to make masks for healthcare workers. It's been incredible to see how people sort of galvanize those efforts and come together to really lift each other up because we're all in this together right now. There's nobody that's unaffected by this in any way, whether it's big or small. You know, you're totally right by that. And and a lot of the times when we view the news or see social media, it's it's very much um, uh, the negative parts of what's going on, which is it's important to understand, of course. But a lot of that, I feel like beautiful, positive community response. I would love to see more of that pushed out on the news. And it's, it's you said it perfectly, humbling to see all the people banding together. And, and you're right. Like I know people who are excellent sewers and they're just sewing masks right now for everybody in the hospital. And I just am like, oh my God, what can we do? Like, I'll send you material. I can't come over, but I'll send it to your house, you know? And it's so nice <laughs> to see that and, and to have that effect. And, you know, even in our wrestling community, to watch the people come out in droves to support indie wrestlers right now has just been something that has been beautiful to watch happen. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Like, so we had uh, the Wrestle Talk TV. They did their No Fans Monday. They had the main event with um, Will Ospreay and B Priestley. We had Joey Janela with GCW. They put on a two day show um, and they have both raised, I think, 10K and over for yeah. all of the wrestlers. And that's the great thing is that 100% of the proceeds from those shows are going to the wrestlers because they don't have multi-million dollar contracts and they don't have a safety cushion. These are people who have devoted their lives to this sport and they're trying to make it, you know, and it's not something as easy as, okay, we'll stop wrestling for now and go get another job when the economy is not set up in a position right now for that to be a viable option. So seeing people come around and take care of each other with that amount of gratitude, both from the wrestlers to the fans, but also from the fans to the wrestlers, because my gosh, we really need that entertainment, that distraction, that sense of normalcy. And I think everyone's really grateful for that. Absolutely. And it's, and it's been very interesting and kind of sobering to watch these shows with no fans. And it's a different perspective. It's by no means a bad one. I, I found personally several of those shows, the GCW and WrestleTalks show, and um, some that are even coming up, I think they're going to be great. And, you know, 
as we're on the episode talking about AEW, I think AEW set the precedent for how no fan shows should go. And, you know, before we start talking about the ladies specifically, I'd love to know your thoughts from this past Wednesday's episode of AEW when they had nobody in the audience. So I'm going to start with what my initial expectation was because mm-hmm. the, um, the reaction to it, I'm sure, is what everyone will already expect to hear. <laughs> sure. That I loved it. <laughs> but <laughs> the initial expectation, if I'm completely honest, was that I was worried about how this was going to go because AEW is a new company, of course, but mm-hmm. the biggest impact in their show comes from the fans. Their fans are constantly cheering and chanting and, you know, screaming and, and making a ruckus and, and, those reactions are often what elevates matches to the high caliber that they can be. You can watch a great match and have a dead crowd and it kills the match. So I was really curious to see how this was going to play out. And I was kind of worried because I love of <laughs> you yeah. and I didn't, if, I, if I'm completely honest, I didn't want to find out that one of the reasons why I love AEW so much is because of how the fans react to it. Mm. I didn't want to find out that it sucked without them. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's different when you don't have a sea of people singing along to Judas, right? It's different. Right. Exactly. But yeah. happily in watching it, I think that the first, the first few moments were pivotal with how this was going to go, which was when Cody came out. And we heard some honesty and we heard some sincerity and we heard about the strength of the human spirit and we heard about the concerns that they have about whether or not they'll even be there next week. That was so important. And the way that the lighting was there, the way that they had their friends come out, like it just, I have chills talking about it. It was Mm -hmm. so good. And then you have the actual match itself. The best thing that they did was have wrestlers in the audience interacting split by faces and heels because that added some of that element of the fans to it, but it also added some extra fun to it. And I thought they just knocked the entire thing out of the park and it was a delightful show. I totally agree with that. And I loved the fact that they had the wrestlers there and truly just, well, MJF I think was the loudest of everybody unsurprisingly (laughs) to, to everyone who knows MJF, but it just added another element. It made you feel like, you know what? Like, yeah, there's not thousands of people screaming, but in a way, you didn't need it. It it was perfect the way that it was, and I think everybody kind of bought in, pun intended, to <laughs> what was going on here and understood what they were presenting, and I just thought it was so smart of them to do. The match quality was crazy, as it always is, and I just thought they really stepped up to the plate, but to your point about Cody's speech at the beginning, it's that really rallying of the troops and like, yes, this is going on and yes, this is scary and we don't know what's going on in the future, but you know what? We're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're not going to totally live in fear. We're going to give you exactly what we can give you to the best of our ability. And I just thought that he bridged that fourth wall so well while bringing it back to the storyline of the elite towards blood and guts, which we now know is is postponed, rightfully so, because it should be in front of people and it, sh- and it should be given that importance that they were hoping that it would be. Uh, and plus the safety of everyone involved, which, again, we totally understand that. I just think they set this bar for what it's going to look like, maybe. I mean, who knows? By the, by the time this episode comes out, things could be totally different. We're not really sure. Um, but I don't know. I just thought they were so great. I completely agree. And I, I also loved the 
the debuts that they had, the double debuts. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, when you have a situation like that, like I have wanted Matt Hardy to be in AEW for months. And like the idea of being in that crowd when he came out and losing yourself in just this joy and euphoria sounded amazing. But there was such a quiet and still beauty in having Rebbies or Rebies. I don't know how to say her name. Her <laughs> her music hit. And then to see Matt Hardy there, like the music echoed throughout the quiet arena and it was stunning. It was gorgeous. And of course, you would want someone like Brody Lee to have a debut like that in his hometown. But even then, that too was so well done. And I was just consistently impressed with what AEW does with even this, because you would think that a debut would would lose a lot of its impact without having the um, thunderous crowd to rally behind it. But in some ways, it actually elevated it even further. Yeah, and I think that's a great perspective on it, Uh, especially for Hardy. I feel like that the beautiful piano and you just see him making his faces and he's got this red stripe now. We're used to seeing the white stripes. We're like, oh, what does that mean? And it gave you a real moment to kind of soak that in. And I'm sure the pop would have been crazy <laughs> if he was in front of <laughs> yeah. people. That's unmistakable. And and I think we can all agree on that. But I think you're right. It gave sort of an eerie, like, scariness almost to his debut. And like, oh, you better look out, inner circle. Guess who's here? You know, it, it, yeah. it added so much to what, you know, may not have been received had there been people there. Because the noise may have drowned that out, per se. Oh, totally. Well, and I mean, like, there's so much subtlety, like Matt's crazy faces. What was that (laughs) about? Like, I'm just like, oh, my God, you're psychotic, but amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Jericho, like, it was so cute watching Jericho because he, you know, does the scared thing like, oh, my God, you know, he's he's the inner circle and, and they have this like, you know, secret hidden card that they just pulled out. But there's a brief shot of Jericho's face where he's smiling and you're just like. He's like so proud, you know? He's like, oh my God, he's here. I I probably helped do that. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't believe it was <laughs> Yeah. It was like, it was cool to see them all in their own way kind of mark out while they were, you know, performing. And uh, it's just so cool. And that's, and that's one of the things that I love about AW in general. I feel like everyone, including the wrestlers and the announcers and commentary and everyone, it's a wrestling geek at the end of the day. And we all love those stories and we all love that presentation of wrestling, not just the technical wrestling itself, which is, you know, one of the top out there right now to watch. It's not just that, you know, they, they all, and we all as a community of AEW fans really kind of dive into that. And we, we want it, we crave it. And it's cool to see them get the similar reaction. A hundred percent for sure. It's so great. (laughs) It's so much fun. But speaking of all of that, it's now time to talk about the ladies, which is what this episode is all about. And I thank you for doing that brief introduction because there's just so much to to unpack. I wanted to pick your brain on so many things, but we're going to dive into the ladies. So the AEW women's roster, now that AEW has been a company for technically over a year and on TV since October... Things have changed drastically. It has been through its own evolution and and change and metamorphosis in a lot of ways as well. 
But the beginning started with that press conference in Jacksonville where Brandy came out and making her historic announcements about the women's division, you know, striving for equal pay and equal representation. And they're going to find the best ladies. And we get our kind of first signees here. And the first one ever, of course, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. If you didn't know, she's a dentist and uh, very exciting stuff. And and then we started to get, you know, a couple other people. Nyla made her appearance relatively early on as these press conferences kind of moved through the months and Kylie and, I don't know. I, I'm kind of curious as to if you look back now, what were you thinking when Brandy came out and was announcing these women and talking about the women's division for AEW? Well, I think that it was, you know, it was exciting because, again, everything is wrapped up into the idea of this brand new company with these people you're excited to see. And they're all forging a new path. And you kind of feel like you're one of the bridge builders, like you're mm-hmm. out there building it with them. So all of it is exciting. Um, but I didn't know who anybody was. But I was also excited about that, too. <laughs> because, yeah, it's an adventure. Um, yeah, exactly. And, you know, so just like with the younger people in the men's division, I had no idea who anyone was except for Britt Baker because I had seen her at All In. And she made sense as the first person to sign. And, you know, honestly, I expected to see other familiar names along with that, like Jordan Grace or Chelsea Green. Obviously, she's with NXT, but, um, you know, just kind of seeing different people that we knew to fill that out. But I didn't know anybody as they were announced. And then the nice thing was, was that we got to find out about them. We got to find out about Nyla. The best thing, by the way, about Nyla is that, and I'm just going to talk about this briefly, Mm -hmm. but... The fact that there was no announcement as to who she is or what her background is um, pertaining to, you know, her being a member of the LGBT community, her being a trans wrestler. Nobody put that out on a, you know, pedestal and said, look at what we're doing. This is amazing. Mm -hmm. We're so progressive. That was something that people found out amongst themselves and talked about amongst themselves. And I feel like starting out with with that just by coincidence with the numbers of announcements that it very quickly became a merit-based women's roster in my opinion it was like okay let's see what these people can do let's see what they've got oh okay wow this is really great let's see how this goes as they build the division yeah and you know and and to your point about nyla i think that that was a beautiful move and they're like just presenting these wrestlers here's here they are here are their names here's a little bit about their character right you get to see just a taste of what they're going to be like maybe once we kind of get rolling and they didn't put anything on blast they weren't showcasing in a way they're just like these are our women and we're really proud of them and here they are and a lot of the thing as well as what i was getting as as the announcements of, of women after women uh joining this roster i just thought Gosh, it's kind of like a, a brand new baby company. Now, now in, in a in a smaller version of the bigger AEW, right? This women's roster feels like an even brand new one because the men had really established people. Mm-hmm. The women, I mean, Brit's been wrestling for a couple of years, but in terms of like their first announcements of people, it was relatively new. So I'm like, oh, wow, this is like a grassroots ground up. We have to build this. The men yeah. had a little bit of something going on already. The ladies have to like, 
formulate feuds and start building their characters and introduce themselves to the wider wrestling world. And I just thought, wow, what a challenge, but what a unique opportunity within AEW as well. It's already unique because it's brand new and it's coming to TNT again, which we haven't seen for so long. And that's going to be different. It's going to be run different. You can tell, but this super unique within the entirety of this company. A hundred percent. I remember thinking at double or nothing because there was this sort of up in the air question with Sasha Banks specifically Mm -hmm. as to whether or not she was going to re-sign her contract or jump ship. And I totally expected, honestly, her to to debut at double or nothing. Like I fully expected it. So did I. Um, But, you know, I think that, you know, with, with Sasha Banks or with Tessa Blanchard or with Jordan Grace, that the reality is, is that a lot of uh, women wrestlers are already signed and happy with the companies that they're working at. They're mm-hmm. already happy with the opportunities that they have, whether impact have change the game in their own way uh, with intergender wrestling um, or obviously if it's with WWE and, you know, that being home to them. Um, so AEW having a roster like this, you're right, is is absolutely very, very new. And I think that that has been one of the big challenges that they've had to deal with is building up a roster, making names become known names and having those names be, um, you know, people that fans care about, whether it's cheering them on or booing them as heels or whatever the situation may be, and really building that from scratch. I think has been a very big challenge. And I think that as we're seeing now that it's been handled very well, but it's absolutely been something that's taken patience this entire time. And I think that at sometimes fans have been able to give that patience and at other times, not so much. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely something that, that does need to be built from the ground up. And that does take patience to watch it all unfold. Yeah, and and I think a lot of the things, too, is as they've started to, you know, add to this division, we have 17 women now, which is wonderful. And and you're right to speak on the fact that these most women and female wrestlers out there were already signed or happy where they are or uh, committed to something. And, And maybe we'll see some people later. But for right now, they were really kind of looking to the indies to kind of pull what was, I don't want to say what's left, because that's not really the, the nice way to say that or the right way to say it, but um, what was out there for them to look for and pull in. Like, you know, when when they added um, Allie, the bunny, um, bringing her in from Impact and all of that wonderful stuff that she did with Rosemary there, that was really big, at least for me, because I loved what her work, and I know a lot of people on the indie scene really liked her as well. And adding in some of these wrestlers from Japan, like Riho and Yuka and uh, Shida, who, whew, she's a whole beautiful thing. We'll talk about her later. But, um, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's diverse. That's the yes. first thing that I thought of. As this women's division started to evolve and kind of form slowly, but they did, bringing in all these people. I'm like, wow, super diverse, culturally um wrestling style wise very different as well um it's i i don't know i find that really fascinating to see like if you look at all the names and you see what they are their experience is vast and different um people wrestling in japan and the states and the uk i find that very cool 
Absolutely. AEW feels like a melting pot mm. of a lot of different cultures and styles in the men's division and in the women's division. And I think in the women's division, that is one of its assets. It's greatest assets is that you have this representation from all around the world. But I think it was also one of its challenges at the very, very beginning, because you have people who, you know, wrestle an American style versus people who wrestle a Joshi style. And Joshi style is often far faster and and heavy hitting. Like their strikes are a lot harder. It's like watching Suzuki, but like these tiny women all the time. (laughs) Um, So it's like they're just beating the crap out of each other. And that's different from how we do it here. So, So it was interesting watching the first you know, episodes of dark and the first episode or first pay-per-views and the opening matches or the battle Royale and watching them sort of get used to the footwork together and the chemistry together with different styles. And I love how that has blended together into this beautiful tapestry that we have now. And, you know, speaking back to the names of, you know, the women and, and how They were so new, and this is such a grassroots thing. The cool thing is is that, once again, you had fans that were watching them to be able to be like, oh, my God, you have to check out Sheeta. She's amazing. Or, oh, my God, Nyla is amazing. You have to watch these matches. So that was a really cool thing, too, is that it sort of boosted that community effort of where we were sharing resources amongst each other to get to know these people. And honestly, now, looking at the roster – we don't need someone like Sasha Banks to come in. Sure, it would be awesome. The pop would be great. But we have our own names. And I think that, you know, as a as a fan of AEW, that is even cooler to have, you know, these names that are becoming big names that you watched from the ground up in AEW. Obviously, they've been working, you know, for years beyond that. But that you got to watch become created into this you know, big star. I think that's really awesome that that we get our own homegrown stars out of that. Yeah, we really do. And that can't even be any more beautifully exemplified than Riho, someone who has been wrestling literally almost her entire life. And just to see her win over the audience and just become so beloved, I think was like one of the best parts of this women's division. She didn't do anything but be her entire self and the universe of AEW was like yep we love you and that's super fun (laughs) to see from someone who watched her in Japan to see her now it's like oh my god like people are getting it they're seeing this now and and same with Sheeta and and others which we can dive into as well but specifically for her because she became of course the very first AEW Women's Champion. I feel like we have to talk about her and her story because the way that she was able to be crowned the first champion and and to have that support from the audience and building up towards those matches. I know there I feel like a lot of people have varying opinions about Riho and there's a lot of comments on her size, but for me personally, I feel like if you go toe to toe with Suzuki, you can do anything that you want. <laughs> You're fine at at 12 years old. Exactly. When you're 12 years old, just to put a little whipped cream on that little ice cream sundae right there. Yeah, she was 12 also. (laughs) Right. Like, oh, my gosh. She's she's stronger than all the young lions right now that run away from Suzuki. That's every single New Japan match. Um, You know, I think Riho embodies the spirit of the women's division. There are challenges and obstacles for her to overcome. 
um, with perception from the fans. There was a lot of, she's only 98 pounds. This isn't believable. Why is, you know, you know how fans can be. There's, there's just a lot of, of arguments with that sometimes, but she just by her very nature of being herself, of being her charming, endearing, really fierce and strong self, but also her skill. You know, there was a point where you see her really get comfortable in that ring and against the people that she's wrestling. Everything sort of starts to gel together and people get comfortable and confident with each other. And that point is where we really see the strength of the talent that these people have shine through. And I think that's where Riho is just like, completely beloved now and Sheeta as well because they see what it was that AEW saw in them that had them hand pick each of these individual people to build up that roster yeah you're you're absolutely right with that and and that brings my memory back to the um the um, battle royale the casino rather battle royale at all out and thinking about that and how the winner of this would have to face either Riho or Shida. And you were there as well, I know. And just watching that live, that was the first time for me that the division felt like, not real, but more solid. And I'm like, look at these ladies. Like, I know a lot of them aren't signed, but the showcase of performance they put on in that buy-in, I thought was just top notch. And then of course Nyla wins that. And then we know it's Nyla versus whomever's gonna win Riho or Shida. And and I just think about that match and I think about the stars that were in there and the feud that started between Brie a uh, Brie. Nope, put their names together. Britt and B <laughs> Priestley. <laughs> put them together uh that feud started then as well and that's that continued for a very long time and i'm sure will be revisited down uh, down the road but i don't know what were your thoughts about about that because it was really the first big statement of the women's division before tv began i loved that nyla hung in that battle royale from beginning till end and emerged victorious i thought that was so freaking cool because you got to see her be the beast and powerhouse that you know she looks like she is and that we've told we've been told that she is and so we got to really see that we also got to see like you said a vast variety of skills and talents from all of these different women who were participating in it we got to see storylines start to be um created within it but i just i loved that nyla won and then it was like okay once that happened my mind was like okay she's fighting Riho. there was no doubt in my mind, that that was going to be the outcome. And the mm-hmm. coolest thing about Nyla and Riho is that they have now put on two of my favorite women's matches in AEW: the championship match, and um, I think both championships. Yeah, they were both. Actually. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're they're amazing together. The chemistry that they have together is just wonderful. And it's funny because you have this towering dominant beast against this 98 pound twig who's just sharp as hell. And like they have just this chemistry that's magical in the ring together. I love them. Yeah, I did as well. And I, and I feel that the first match, because it's just so historic, it's the first one ever, like that will always be special in its own right. But I feel like the second one where she was, Riho was defending her title against Nyla and Nyla ultimately beat her for the title 
for the first ever changeover <laughs> for a new champion in AEW's history, also historic in its own right. But I feel like that one, they found a groove. They had been, um, you know, wrestling now in AEW for a while and something really clicked in that match. And that was something really special as well to see because I felt like for the first time in a long time, a women's match on AEW, people on Twitter, on other social media and in the audience were so invested in that match that by the end of it, people were like, Oh my God, new champion. But Riho didn't look, uh, you know, poor in that match at all. She looked great. And I felt like the response from that match alone just solidified, you know, her short championship brain, but just how great of a wrestler she and Nyla are. And, and, you know, in very different ways. And Nyla, I feel like is, is learning a lot and, coming into her own it seems like much more than than at the beginning of this uh endeavor absolutely i mean this was a match where you really didn't know who was going to win you know like we all had our ideas of who we wanted to win or who we thought was going to win based on logical booking reasons and like whatever (laughs) but like (laughs) as the match is playing out suddenly all that goes to the window and you're just like Oh my God, this is amazing. The counters, the near falls, the double stomps, like they were both so intense and so good. And that I think was the first match, I guess the second match, because their their first match was the first one where I was like, oh my God, this, this women's division is going to be fire. But that match was where it really solidified the potential that all of these women have and mm-hmm. that the championship has to be something that is equally as invigorating and thrilling and wonderful to watch as any of the men's championship matches. And that's a great thing because, again, they had, what, at that point, two months of TV time to build a division. And they'd had pay-per-views as well, but they were still trying to figure out their show format. They were trying to build the men's title and the tag team titles and the women's division and a show. So... In the two months that they had TNT episodes that were airing, I think they really just knocked it out of the park with what they were able to accomplish. And we got to see that sort of culminate with Nyla and Riho. Round two. two. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. And, you know, when we uh, put out on Twitter that, you know, this conversation was happening and I asked for people to, you know, throw in their, their favorites, um, Mags, everyone's friend Mags, of who has, you know, all these amazing podcasts, why we watch and Badlands and five rounds. And, you know, he commented that you and him had um, a great conversation on Badlands predicting that Nyla has kind of grown into that role. And it's been such a beautiful thing to watch. And, you know, everyone else is talking about the addition of Chris Statlander and Big Swole and the change in Dr. Britt Baker and just seeing all these people give so much love to these wrestlers now makes me look back at the beginning like sometimes I think, God, what were we worried about? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Just, just a little bit. Yes. Yeah. For just sure. a little bit of that. I mean, I'm still concerned yeah. about a couple of things. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But, but seeing the reaction, you know, one of the things that I, and I had always said at the beginning of when it started and everyone was very upset about the division, I said, look, we, we got to pack our patients. You guys, you have mm-hmm. to pack your patients. And while I think that there's room for improvement big time, I also think that we have to allow these people to get over organically. They have to do their job. And two to three months of being on television isn't always going to do that. And we can talk a little bit about that in the next segment. But I feel like 
just <laughs> this Chris Statlander edition, I think for me, as well as Big Swole, was the turning point in a lot of ways. Because I feel like a lot of people dove right on board with her and Big Swole right away. And that gave a little bit more of a, like a, a confidence boost in this women's division for the the wider wrestling Twitter world. I feel like they were like, this is it. Like, okay, now now I feel like something's going to happen. Now I feel like we're going to move in a different direction. Um, well, how do you feel about Chris Statlander and, and maybe Big Swole or some others that you really like? I'm obsessed with both of them. Like, yeah, me too. <laughs> like legit. Big Swole, dude, have you seen her and her sass and her energy and her dance moves and her yeah. swagger? Like, wow. Like, give me Big Swole every day, all day, all the time. Please. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. Um, also, Chris Statlander. So Chris Statlander was an interesting thing for me because... Again, just like every single other person, she was totally new to me. And when I saw her come out, um, the first thing that I was impressed by, and this is going to sound strange, but was her physique. Because Mm. in wrestling, especially the American wrestling that we're used to, everyone sort of follows a similar like formula, right? Of the sort of supermodel thin, long hair, et cetera, look. And this was a situation where I was like, okay, cool. This girl looks like she is strong as hell. And then she goes out and she does a bunch of athletic stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, awesome. You can tell that she still has, um, you know, like little nuances to learn. Um, Like, I think the thing was the very first match was that she was slapping the turnbuckle a lot to sort of get crowd reactions and then like learning to pace that sort of thing. Just these tiny little new things, right? That you just Mm kind of learn along the way. And so then I start looking into her and I'm like, wow, she's only been wrestling for three years. She's incredible. This is amazing. And in that short time since she came out up until now, she has just blown everyone away with her skill, with her look with her character which was also totally weird by the way because I love science I'm a huge science nerd (laughs) and like even I'm sitting here going okay but what's with the alien thing like (laughs) yeah I I don't understand it but I love it so much I love the nose boop I love the music I love her gear I love her look I love her interactions with Orange Cassidy and I think again that's one of those examples where patience pays off because as you watch people and you get to know them suddenly you're super endeared to them whether it's this really great talent and athleticism and strength and a interesting and unique gimmick or if it's somebody who's just a straight up badass with tons of swagger and she comes out and dances and you know that she's gonna totally uh f stuff up (laughs) (laughs) against her opponents so it's just getting to know people and having the patience of watching them and allowing yourself to get to know them and care about them. Yeah. And I, and I think a lot of the criticism or sort of more negative mentality about the women's roster comes a lot from the fact that I feel people had to do a lot of research to understand these women and figure out what they're about, understand their character. Because a lot of people were, were in a very similar position as you just were describing about Chris Statlander. They're like, why is she an alien? Why do I care that she's an alien? What is going on here? And they, and it really did require going back and looking at her matches and beyond and looking at her matches in AAW or a lot of other indie promotions to kind of understand 
what she's all about. Why does she boop your nose? <laughs> Why is she from the Andromeda galaxy? What does that mean? And and not just her, Riho, Sheeta, Nyla, Big Swole, everybody else required a lot of research. And I think because of that, it wasn't, let's say, as say, as another promotion like WWE does, gives a lot of videos and vignettes. And while AEW does that in spades, I feel like that's something that's lacking a lot in their women's division. They have a lot of really cool video packages for a lot of their men, but the women, not so much. And that's something I feel like personally, I would love to see and would solve, I think, a lot of those issues if they were presented. But I know a lot of it has to do with time. They have two hours. How are they going to fit all of this in? You mentioned it earlier. They were trying to figure out how their show was going to run. They have to build a division. They have to decide how the championship, the first ever AEW championship is going to go. And then they did a tournament for the tag titles. There was so much going on. And a lot of people, myself included to a degree, feel like the women's division suffered from that. And that was something that both Cody and Kenny responded to once the um, mostly constructive, but a lot of not constructive criticism came to light on social media and various wrestling platforms. Yeah. um, I want to touch back real quick to what you said about video packages. Mm -hmm. So um, that's something where when we saw Britt Baker and B Priestley, it was when they were in Pittsburgh. And I only remember that because of Britsburg. <laughs> I guess that's right. <laughs> but when they had those packages put together, I was like, oh my God, finally, thank you. Yes, let's do that. Um, and Riho and Emi Sakura, they had their match. Um, I don't remember if it was a championship match or not, or if it was just a special singles match that they had. But the whole point is that it was a teacher versus student match. Emi Sakura was Riho's mentor for a long time. And this was a really significant and pivotal moment in Riho's career, as well as for Emi Sakura to have an opportunity to um, sort of have people rally behind her and get to know her better. And when this happened, I didn't necessarily understand why people were so focused on the lack of the vignettes or the storyline for it, because I was like, okay, well, they put out one, go watch it. It's on Twitter. Like if you're on Twitter complaining about it, Go watch it. It's right there. Right. (laughs) You're right. In hindsight, in hindsight, having that not air on dark or on a road to show, I think um, it could have elevated that far more for the significance that it deserved had they had made those decisions. And if we look at something like the Nightmare Collective, which was Mm -hmm. universally panned, barring myself and a few (laughs) other people, because I know (laughs) a minority opinion but I liked it whatever Um, but I think that you know even the Nightmare Collective once Brandy started putting out those session videos people started changing their minds with the Nightmare Collective there is a lot of power to be had in those vignettes especially because AEW does them so well yeah they do do them so well and you know being I'm going to call it trained in a lot of ways, being trained by WWE because that was, that was the wrestling that was out for a very, very long time. They were it and being trained with those amazing 
recap packages and video packages to further the storyline and backstage interviews and and all of that stuff for AEW to come out and just knock it out of the park. Their vignettes are some of my most favorite things about this company. They're so creative and you can feel it. It's like dripping off of them. It's so it's so much creativity. And I feel like sometimes I'm frustrated when I see all these cool packages and I'm like, oh, come on, <laughs> give me more. I want more. Yes. I want more for my ladies, you know? And I feel like a lot of their things have suffered a little bit in terms of timing and availability. And I feel like those videos are crucial. And I want more of them to pop up on Twitter. I want more of them to pop up on the Road to shows. I want more of them to be in my face because I feel like it's something that's going to elevate these women up and it's going to help people understand what's going on and further your storylines, much like they do with some other people in their company. That's actually a really good idea for them to do right now because we have coronavirus that is preventing, you know, these massive shows. It's also preventing a lot of people from, you know, wrestling in these shows because you can only have a certain amount of people in an area at a time. Um, So if if they were to take the time, this time of uncertainty that we have right now Mm. and utilize that, sort of as a get to know the roster, kind of like how they did um, the from undesirable to undeniable segment in the road to promos that they were doing for a while before dark really kicked off. If they had a way to, you know, build feuds, record vignettes, get to know the roster, get to know their stories, get to know why they're fighting each other and, and, you know, how they feel about it. I think that would be a really great and smart way to utilize some of the airtime that they have with Dynamite right now and be able to promote their division and promote their storylines going forward. Yeah. And, you know, you make a great point about what they can do right now because of this fact that, well, we can't all be together. So what can we do? And this would be an excellent time for them to start showcasing these women. You can do Zoom, get on Zoom, get on (laughs) Skype. I don't care what it is. You can interview each other. Just talk about who you are. Give me something fun. Because you may not be able to do the full production. And I get that. That's hard to do right now. So that's an excellent thing that they can do. And maybe we'll see that. Maybe as we move forward, that's something that we can see. But I want to touch back to the Nightmare Collective. So Fowl, our friend Fowl, underscore, oh, I'm sorry, Fowl, underscore original on Twitter, asked us uh, uh, this here. Do you think that starting factions like the Nightmare Collective might have these folks get a little more of an individual personality? We see a lot of their character work on AEW Dark, but it feels like sometimes they are stop slash starting feuds due to uh, the availability on Dynamite. That's an interesting question. So we obviously have two major factions in the men's division. We have the elite, we have the inner circle. The elite Mm -hmm. was already a a very well-established faction. So that was just a given. Like they already existed de facto when AEW was formed. So having the inner circle form, you know, was a way for Jericho to really butt heads with the elite, all of them as his own big rock star and build up other people within the division. Um, I think that with the women's division, once again, we run into an issue where, again, they're still building everything up from the ground up and they're still building feuds, individual wrestlers, et cetera. I think we will see people band together, but with the disbanding of the Nightmare Collective, there doesn't really feel like a need to. There's nothing for anybody to go against. 
unless somebody like Nyla just steamrolls through everybody and then they have to bound, you know, band together to take her down. But there's not really a focal point for factions necessarily to rise up. I also think that there might be um, some fatigue with factions mm-hmm. for the women's division after the Nightmare Collective. Because yeah. the Nightmare Collective would could have been a really cool um, concept. I loved the concept from the outset. I loved Dark Brandy. I loved this voodoo awesome Kong. Um, but then it sort of got complicated. Like suddenly we had Mel in there. And then we had Luther in there. And we didn't really know why. And like there were just these things that we didn't understand the reason for it. You know, and right. on one hand, we didn't necessarily need a reason for Sammy Guevara to join the Inner Circle. So why do we need a reason for Mel to join, you know, the Nightmare Collective or Luther or whatever? But the reality is, is that it just became too convoluted. And I think that right now, focusing on the individual wrestlers and focusing on the individual feuds is actually better for them so that they can be their own big names. And then if they have, you know, a reason to form factions to take down whoever or, you know, whatever reason, that's great. But getting to rally behind the women first, as we are right now, I think is more important. I happen to agree with you on that. I think that is where they should leave their focus, building the women's division, building these characters, developing their storylines, starting real honest to goodness feuds kind of building that up as we've seen with, you know, swole and Britt Baker has started. That is what we need more of. So I'm, I'm really with you on that. I also feel like the factions are well-spoken for on the male side right now, because we also have dark order and MJF and Wardlow and sometimes butcher blade and bunny. They're not really a faction because he's paying them, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, they are. <laughs> but they're together, right? They're yeah. together. So they kind of have that already, spotted out with the men and I feel like you're right with the fatigue it's too much and and personally I feel like the nightmare collective was I understand the concept I thought they had some really cool ideas the execution for me just wasn't there and I feel like since that has now ended which by the way I commend them for trying something and even if it failed it failed but you know what they tried and the best part I feel like is that they listened to the fans And they truly honestly said, okay, this isn't working. Let's figure out how we can transition out of this, which I actually think they did beautifully with Brandy's um, going to therapy and trying to like, you know, figure out these two sides of herself. And and I thought that was brilliant, uh, those videos that she put out. But I really commend them for that. That takes a lot of guts to say, this is unpopular, which we don't get anywhere else, (laughs) by the way. This is unpopular. Let's put this to bed and see what we can do in the future. That's something I really respect about this entire company. You got to fail forward. There is no success without failure. And anybody who says otherwise, like you got to try. And in order to try, you have to take risks and you have to fail and you have to learn and you have to go at it again. And again, we're watching a brand new company come out the outset and really form itself from the ground up. And, you know, yes, the production is amazing. And yes, the video packages are awesome and yes the roster is thrilling and we have you know Jericho and Kenny Omega and we have Nyla Rose and Riho and and all of that makes it feel like it's completely solidified but they're going to make mistakes and they're going to learn from them and you know I'm I'm happy to watch them make mistakes along the way because it's been amazing so far and you know they also have 
a great place to try new things, which is on dark. And I think that touching back briefly to, you know, the fact that um, maybe people needed to do research to get to know some of the roster. I didn't do any research on the roster except for Nyla just because I was curious about her story. Um, nice. And and Riho, because how do you not watch her go after Suzuki at 12 years old? <laughs> but <laughs> I, so I didn't. I didn't do research on Chris Statlander. I didn't do research on Big School because I wanted to have a fresh perspective on who they are in AEW. And a lot of that has been garnered on AEW Dark. Now, mm-hmm. people say there's a common con- criticism, which I can't stand, just to be honest, which is, well, why should this be on Dark? Why is it on Dynamite? That's because this is their proving ground. This is where they're trying things out. This is where they're fleshing out characters. This is where they're building feuds. It's a free show on YouTube. I know. Less than an hour long. Right now, it's like 30 minutes long. There's literally no reason for anybody to not watch AEW Dark. Is it the same as AEW Dynamite? No, absolutely not. But There's three matches that allow you to get to know the roster, that allow you to get to know their stories through the video packages that they air. And that, to me, is where I've gotten to know Sheeta and Nyla and Big Swole and Chris Statlander and come to love them is by watching them on AEW Dark. So then when we do see them on Dynamite, we're like, oh, my God, yes. Now they're going to like fully go and this is going to be awesome. Yeah, and I wish people would watch AEW Dark more. When do we ever get to see the dark, quote-unquote, dark matches? We we don't. So this is so special. They're like, yeah, have it for free. You're going to watch it the day before to hype up for the show the next day. Beautiful. It's money. I love everything about it. And I hope now that we're all on lockdown and we're all social distancing that we can hang out and watch <laughs> AEW Dark together. Because you know you what? No Nothing excuse. else is on. So let's go. <laughs> There's no excuses. Dive in with us. It's great. I promise you people are really skeptical about it and I keep saying, I'm telling you you need to watch Dark. I'm not like blowing smoke. I'm telling you the facts. <laughs> you just yes. have to watch it. You get to learn so many more things and the women's division is really, they are really like in AEW Dark and you have to watch that. And you know, for me, I I understand the perspective of well, why isn't it on Wednesday nights? I get I get that a little bit because I want them to be on Wednesday nights. Yeah. I want them to have that spotlight as well. And I'm hoping as we move forward that changes. But before we move on to kind of our, our winding down last segment here, I gotta ask you about this title belt. So a lot of things that I've heard about this title belt, including how I feel about it, are wild all over this internet, okay? Now, this title belt, for me, I love the color. I love the design and shape. But if you look at the AEW Men's Heavyweight Championship belt, and you put that next to your women's belt, it looks like that's the uh, lock and accessory that hangs off the men's one. And I'm so, like, confused by this. Why is this belt so small, Amy? Okay, well, so when I was on the phone with Brandy the other day, we were talking about this. No, I'm kidding. I I don't know. (laughs) Girl, I was about to be like, what? (laughs) No, no. Um, Now now everyone's going to be like, I knew it. You work for AEW. She's in. She's actually in the Nightmare Family. (laughs) That's why she liked the collective. That's it. (laughs) Um, no, 
know. So when the belt was first revealed, I had zero issue with it. None yeah. whatsoever. I was like, dude, this is awesome. We have a belt. It looks pretty. It's gorgeous. All right. It's not, you know, covered with butterflies. Yay. Yeah. This is awesome. Yay. Yeah. And, you know, I, I still didn't have any issue with it when uh, Riho was champion. Like, okay, awesome. It wasn't until Nyla is carrying this belt around and I'm like, okay, maybe it's a little small. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit. Why? Because on Riho, so it looks like a belt. You know, it, it does. Like, but she's so tiny. <laughs> I know. It's not, so, it doesn't work for everybody. It's not one size fits all. And that's not a comment no, on anyone's eyes. So, it's just, that's life. Right, right. And I think, you know, at some point they will resize it because they do a great job of listening to their fans. And this has been something that has consistently <laughs> been, like, discussed and, you know, constantly, okay, you guys need a bigger belt. So I imagine that they will. I also imagine that, you know, they've probably got other priorities like building that championship first. Sure. And, you know, then they'll, whenever they get around to it. And who knows now with coronavirus, like what that ends up being on the list of priorities because it's not like it's cheap to just go get another belt. Well, you know, of course. Yeah. Right. So you've got tens of thousands or over a hundred thousand dollars to get these belts that are made and, you know, uh, adorned with jewels and all of these things. So I don't know what that situation is, but for sure they could use a bigger belt. You guys were right. <laughs> <laughs> I just, as a video game person, I just want them to swallow the mushroom like Mario does. And I want it to just go, bloop, bloop. <laughs> it just gets can like, we get those added sound effects like yes. can we get a video package that shows the evolution of the belt <laughs> i would die of happiness if somehow they tweak to the mario uh getting the mushroom to level up and size up if they could tweak that so they don't get in trouble with nintendo i would be all for that video package. it should have nyla do it because yes. she is the holder of the belt right now she's the champion she's the biggest one she should be like, this is a rinky-dink belt. This is great for Riho, but not for me. And then she stomps on it. She's a gamer. You know, she could take a sword to it. She could step on a box, whatever the, the video game is. And then they do it. See, AEW, we have ideas for you. <laughs> Just call Tony us. Khan, you should be listening to this. Brandy, I talked to you yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well... If only, right? If only. Yeah, if only. Yeah. No, but here's the thing. If they do that, we'll know that somebody, by some crazy happenstance, listened to the show. <laughs> I will. Social distancing all these miles away, give you an air high five. <laughs> Heck yeah, high five. That's right. <laughs> And as we look towards this future of possibilities, because that's what I feel like AEW is since its inception, and even now a year plus in, it's this land of opportunity and anything can happen, it feels like. You know, it's been fun to see this evolution of the roster. And yes, it has challenges, but I feel like every division in every company has its challenges. And I'm so proud to sit here now in March 2020 and look at these women and be like, you know what? Gosh darn it. Y'all are the best. This is great. They have so many things building right now. And Robbie um, at the Pale Adonis commented on your post earlier uh, yesterday and said, it feels like they're starting to get a real rhythm now with Swole versus Baker, Riho versus Penelope Ford, uh, Nyla Rose versus B Priestley now on the horizon. 
and hopefully they continue to build despite obviously this current situation and really grow the division. I feel like we've seen such a change in one year, you know, and somebody had commented on the tweet um, and said, how, how can you deep dive into this division? It's brand new. And it feels like for a lot of people that there's only certain set of the 17 that they're really pushing and promoting right now. But I feel like if you've just listened to this entire show, we've barely even gotten into a lot of these things that we could have spent another hour on at least. So as we've watched this grow, Amy, what do you think? Future bright for AEW women's roster? Oh, 100%. Now, I'm going to say this real quick because when we're talking about Dark, um, Dark is going to end up having a second show. And we talked about how a lot of the women had their feuds sort of built on Dark, that the women's division was a mainstay of AEW Dark for a long time. The AEW women's division is why AEW Dark is going to have a show on TNT. You wouldn't have TNT executives look at a show that sucked and be like, yeah, let's go ahead and do that anyway. They watched what these women were putting out and were like, hell yeah, that's awesome. Let's do it. So for me, in my opinion, they have a huge torch-bearing responsibility for and for the fact that that show is going to be a second show on TNT. And I think that's awesome. I think that they've come uh, so far in showing who they are, what they can do, and getting people excited and rallying behind them. Just in a few short months of them being on television, we get to see people like Nyla, obviously, and Sheeta, but we also get to see people like Sadie Gibbs. You mentioned that we haven't scratched the surface, really, of the women's division, and that's true because there's a lot here. Yeah. But Sadie Gibbs is currently reinventing her character with these incredible video packages. I'm really excited to see what she has in store. You know, people like Yuka Sakazaki. She's adorable and amazing. Yeah. She's fantastic. The magical to watch. girl. Yeah. She's so great. <laughs> You know, and and Shanna, she is also somebody that people have been really keen into watching lately. So just there's so much to be built. And again, they have done this from the ground up. And what we're seeing right now is that sort of middle part of the timeline, you know, where we're Mm -hmm. getting to see these stars come up and we're getting to see these people stand out based on booking and based on feuds. And we're getting to see what they can do. And what they can do is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you mentioned Sadie Gibbs. That is another one that I feel like once people start watching Dark more and seeing what she has to offer and paying attention to her social media, once she breaks out on Wednesday nights and she's in this major storyline, people are going to be like, who is this girl? I need to know everything about her. I They're going to like rally. I'm, I can feel it in my gut. And I feel the same way about Sheeta. I think eventually she'll probably have the title. And I think that people are really going to endear themselves to her. You know, she's she's all in with, uh, pun intended, I guess, with AEW. <laughs> and just, you know, there's a lot to offer here. And Big Swole, I think, is going to be another up-and-comer that's uh, going to take some people out. She's just so charismatic. And, you know, on the heel side of things, B Priestley, who's running roughshod all over stardom and was the stardom champion for a while you know she's she's got a lot of things too and I feel like there's so much to look forward to with this division as we move forward and you know in terms of things you know personally I'd like to see I just want to see more of them I want to see those videos on Wednesday night I want to see them pushed out and promoted a little bit more Uh, and I want to see 
them just get this the same amount of time that's all i'm looking for and i know there's so much story and i'm gonna have to pack patience on my own right it's just because i want to watch them wrestle that's all that's all that it is and i know it's in the best part about AEW is that it's two hours and it flies by and you're hungry for more and that's really kind of where it's all coming from at least for me but you know i i expect new additions to the roster coming soon um this year whenever that might be given this uh coronavirus but I expect new people to come. I expect the division to grow. And I think if they kind of hone in on this division and really just focus on themselves, I think we're in for a real treat in 2020. Absolutely. And I want to say real quick that the last episode of Dynamite, that women's four-way was (gasps) the best match on the card, in my opinion. I mean, the main event was great and fun because it set up for blood and guts and everything. But as far as just a standalone match, that was it for me. So the fact that we are getting to see them and also getting to see them in a way that stands out as something magical is awesome. When you have, you know, Sammy Guevara on Twitter the next day, is like, <laughs> dude, that women's match. It's like, yes, that women's match was yeah. awesome. So I think we're starting to get that now. And I think that, you know, that was going to be the trajectory of the next few months was really building that women's division, I guess not building it because that's what they had already been doing, but showcasing right. what they are doing and what they can do. I agree with you so much on the video packages, though. Like, my gosh, mentioning that Sadie Gibbs one. I mean, she's in a thong, so maybe not on TNT. But hey, guys, she's in a thong, so you should watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just <laughs> saying. Note. She's beautiful. Just to you go know. to that part. But I mean... Like, The reality of it, though, is that it's such a powerful message that she has. She talks about um, she has a visual representation of ripping up anxiety and ripping up self-doubt and ripping up fear and completely reinventing herself, um, you know, into amazing grace. And it's amazingly powerful to watch that. And I would love to see that on Dark, see that on the Road to shows, see that on Dynamite. I would love to see more video packages for the women, for their stories, for their feuds, especially like championship matches. That feels like that should be a bare minimum that they should be doing. I totally agree. I want to see the same level of what they put into Mox and Jericho for the ladies. Because if you're telling me that that we're all equal here and this women's division is just as important, then I want to see that same thing because it gets me more invested. I'm already here. You already have my money. You already have my soul. You already have all of it. You already have it. But now I want to really invest in this women's division. And I feel like we're on that path. Um, And as we close out here, I have one last question from my pal Josh uh, at Josh Robinson double zero. He said, where would you gals direct someone like me to begin when it comes to the women's division in AEW? I desperately want to enjoy the division, but I'm struggling. They're talented, but it's just something is missing, and it might be a me problem. I I don't think it's a you problem. It just might be something that, if you're not familiar with them, it might be a little difficult. And, you know, Amy, you spoke so beautifully before about saying, you know, I, I didn't do a lot of research here, and I just wanted to kind of invest. But for people who wanted to invest, the first thing that came to my brain was, of course, that match with Riho and Suzuki. I feel like you have to watch that. It, that's just the thing you need to do. Uh, Beyond Wrestling has a lot of Chris Statlander things. Um, hitting up big programs like Power Slam or uh, Independent Wrestling TV, High Spots Network are going to have a lot of these women on there. So that was kind of my advice. 
I think that's perfect because honestly, because I haven't been doing that, um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able necessarily to offer any advice on that. The only thing I can say is that uh, Kenny and Michael Nakazawa and Riho and Yuka Sakazaki have teamed up several times in intergender tag team wrestling matches. And those matches were what sold me on Riho as champion. I watched the one, I think it was in Taiwan, after she, be, she after she had won the championship. And it completely sold me on her. I was like, oh, that is Riho. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> wow. And that is, you know, Nakazawa. And that is uh, Yuka. Like those, I think watching them in maybe stardom or DDT or checking out those intergender tag team matches in um, Taiwan or with DDT uh, will let you sort of get familiar with where they are in their comfort zone. And as they get comfortable in AEW, as we're starting to see now, you'll start seeing that here. But if you want to see them in their comfort zone to see why they were chosen, why they were selected, and why they were trusted to build a division from scratch themselves, definitely check out where they came from. Yeah, that's a really good shout. Um, Riho and Kenny teaming together is one of the most special things. If you haven't seen it before, I high re- highly recommend you do. They did one recently in the past couple of months, and Kenny was in white and pink to match Riho. It was absolutely adorable. And uh, what a great match as well. And it's just something that I feel that you should definitely take uh, into consideration for your watching pleasure. But also I think watching AEW for people who have only watched WWE, let's say, I feel like it needs a, a refocus or a a re-lensing. I, that's not a word. Uh, I'm going to put on different glasses <laughs> when I watch AEW. That's what I'm trying to say. It's, a, it's a different lens and it's yeah. a different perspective. You have to go into it putting aside what you know and just appreciate for what is. That, I think, is the best advice that I can give someone who hasn't watched a lot of indie wrestling or hasn't watched a lot of other promotions before, that this is a different perspective. Because you're right, Amy, they trusted these women to build this division from scratch, and there's an absolute reason for that. And watching these matches and seeing them and just doing a little bit of research and investment, I think will give that little aha moment that you were talking about when you were like, oh, I'm sold, I get it, I I see this, this is awesome. And I feel like that that understanding is going to help a lot. And that's not a bad thing. So just with talk, talking about research and sort of that, that mindset, that's what I love about AEW. I love that everything isn't shoved into my face in this kind of generic package that has, you know, really big pictures, but not a lot of story in it. I love that there's a lot of putting details together. And that can be a complaint sometimes, like oh, I, sh- I got to go watch Dark and now I got to watch Being the Elite and now I got to watch Dynamite. And it's like, to me, that isn't a requirement, but it's a really fun way of putting little threads together and getting to know the the stories, getting to know the characters, getting to know the people behind the characters. And I think that just being aware of that and being okay with that, if at all like looking forward to it, <laughs> Yeah. can be useful when it comes to viewing AEW. Like, it is different from WWE. It's also different from New Japan, which is all yeah. subtle storytelling. And, you know, that's kind of one of my favorite things is the subtlety in storytelling. But I love how AEW does that. It has, like, this perfect blend between WWE's promo packages and big characters and New Japan's subtle storytelling. And I think that that's the best way to get to know the wrestlers and get to care about them 
is to check out different sides of them. Watch AEW Dark. Watch their matches in their, you know, younger promotions. Watch them now and sort of piece those ideas and styles about them together. I think that's such great advice. And you're right about New Japan, man. They love those little Easter eggs. And AEW did that. Do you remember when, just a real quick before we wrap up here, do you remember when Jericho won the championship and he was walking backstage and he looked right at Scorpio Sky? We couldn't see Scorpio, but he went right at him and said, Scorpio Sky, take a good look at it. You'll never get a shot at this title. And then what did we get? <laughs> What did we get? We got him yep. in one of the most popped, like crazy moments, having that amazing match with Chris Jericho. They do this so all the good. time. It's beautiful nuance. It's beautiful, like just a little drop, just a little something. And for people who love New Japan like you and I do and everyone else that we know and love that watches New Japan, we're like, <laughs> yes, we get this. We love this <laughs> because it's it's so great. And, and I... Ah, I love when they're going to do it for the ladies, too. I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited for the future of AEW. Me, too. But I think it definitely takes looking at that not as a fault. The Mm -hmm. lack of in-your-face storytelling isn't a bad thing. It's an enriching thing. It's something that's really fun to look to. Because, like, in New Japan, somebody changing the color of their hair means something. And you're like, oh, my God, why did they do that? Why does Tanahashi have orange or red hair now? (laughs) You know, like Something's going on. Okada's wearing pants. What's happening? (laughs) Right. Why does he have a balloon? Oh, my God. And you get to sort of create your own story with that. And that is really fun because it connects you on a personal level in your imagination. It's like when you read a book versus hearing an audio book. Like there's just a different way of of connecting with a story because you're using different parts of your brain to connect to that story. So it's the same thing with wrestling. You can kind of watch it and have it happen to you or you can participate in it and be a part of what's happening. And I love that about AEW. Yeah, it's truly a community. And as fans who have literally nothing to do with it other than cheering and being present and buying in, sometimes literally to go see shows and merch and support and following these people and doing a podcast like we do. It's really rewarding to feel like you have a little bit of say, a little bit of, of involvement and in this beautiful community that they've built. It's, it's super special. And speaking of community, I can't thank you enough for being in this amazing wrestling community and you're a standard bearer for a lot of people. And I love your positivity and your takes on wrestling. And I'm so honored that you came on my show today to talk about the AEW's uh, women's roster, because I was thinking about this show and I'm like, who do I want to ask? And I'm like, Oh, I think I want to ask Amy to do it because it's such a nice conversation to have with somebody who, who loves AEW, but isn't afraid to be a little bit honest with it as well. And and I love uh, that you have these amazing takes. So I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I cannot thank you enough for having me because as soon as you were talking about, I think you put out a, a call for potential guests. Yeah. And I was like, I want to go, I want to go, I want to (laughs) go. Because I love talking to you. I love your energy. I love your insights. Um, And just like you said, I love that, you know, we can be honest about things. I know that on Twitter, I'm all caps on show day all the time. (laughs) I'm always excited. I'm riding the roller coaster of kayfabe and I hate MJF, you know, and and those are all true. (laughs) Yeah. But this format gives you a way to talk about things, you know, because you can't always express these ideas 
um, in 240 characters. You need a little bit of time to be able to explain where you're coming from and what your thought process is. And I love that you have invited me onto the show so that we could have this wonderful discussion because I don't, I can't imagine who I would want to have this discussion with. Otherwise, you are amazing. Your show is amazing. You're a wonderful host. Thank you so much for having me here and to be a part of this. Well, you are welcome anytime you like. <laughs> we will definitely schedule something again. And if you wouldn't mind, please tell the people where they can find you if they don't already know. You can find me on Twitter at Phoenix AEW. It's you can also thing. find my podcast <laughs> at um, ATE Pod. That's all things elite. And uh, Dragon's Den for New Japan. That is at Den Wrestling. And we should be recording a new episode of Dragon's Den sometime this week, which will be a very special episode. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Oh, I can't wait. I'm super looking forward to that. And uh, all my friends, please go follow Amy. She's an absolute delight. And uh, thank you again, Amy. It's been so much fun. Stay safe in all of this craziness. <laughs> I know that you will. And uh, everyone else, have a great rest of your day. And please be kind to one another. Thank you.